Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films, or in this case it's TV, because on this episode, in episode 48, we are diving back to the small screen and to Iron Lake to conclude my reviews of Dexter New Blood. I split these into three episodes just so I can, well, do as many episodes on Dexter as I can and talk a little bit more in depth, should I say, on this series, because I was really, really looking forward to it. You know, I, I, I watched obviously seasons one to four, then finally caught up on the rest of it. And was really, really, really hyped for for what was to come, especially on the back of the trailers that we got, and just to see Michael C. Hall as this, you know, character once again, this iconic character once again on the small screen. Yeah, it was of course exciting, and and we are going to be talking about episodes seven to ten, including of course that finale, which seems to have been oh dividing people on the internet. Let's be honest, people are not happy. But I, I, I've got my thoughts on it, and you're going to hear it in this episode, would you believe? But before we do dive into that, I just want to say a massive thank you once again for clicking on this podcast. It's available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, which I'm sure you know because you're listening to it right now if you are. Uh, but why not hit the notification button as well so you can be notified when the new episode is uploaded. It'll pop up on your phone. It's all fancy and technological. It's great. Um, also hit follow. That'd be lovely. Check out the Facebook page as well. Joe Blogs About Films. It's found my page. Thank you, though. Here we are, episode 48. Dexter, my boy, Dexter Newbloods. Well, what can I say about this season? Overall, I think it's been pretty fantastic. Like, I think it's been great. Really good. It's not been perfect, don't get me wrong, but it's been a fantastic one. Like, I will stand by that. I think that some of the things and what Clive Phillips has done, you can tell that it's really refreshing. It's been really great storytelling. Where we picked up, where we pick up and find Dexter, obviously, after 10 years of radio silence or just him living a, living a lie, basically. You know, trying to lead the normal life that he possibly can. But in doing so, he's kind of stuck with his dark passenger and that being represented almost by Jennifer Carpenter's fantastic portrayal as Deb once again. Great having her back. As I've mentioned in the previous episode, she's been stunning. Easily one of the best actors in the entire seasons of Dexter. So having her on board as well and that kind of like back and forth with her in the exchanges was so good to watch. I think everyone in this series did great. Even when I was like kind of unsure about you know, Jack Alcott as Harrison, not so much about his performance. Uh, that's the thing, I couldn't tell if it was his performance or the fact that I just hated his character so much. Like, uh, he started off as this really, like, I don't know, I was I was excited and interested to see where it would go with the Harrison approach, but there was just a few characteristics that were doing my head in about him, just the fact he kept throwing things back in Dexter's face. Granted, I know I'd be peeved as well if my dad left me, but by him going to find his dad after knowing that he's alive, to then just constantly throw things back in his face all the time, saying, you left me, you can't control my life and stuff. There was just a few things that I just didn't quite like about his character. However, that being said, Jack Alcott did an absolutely amazing job as being Dexter's son. Like, I genuinely felt he was his son from the haircut, from the mannerisms, from the way they walked together, the things that they did, the tics. He did a great job of almost like studying Michael C. Hall's performances as Dexter and really kind of making that his own, moulding Harrison to be literally like father, like son. And there's a lot of that in this. I think there was, there was so many great moments between those two characters. There was obviously kind of butting heads a lot of the times throughout this, but their relationship obviously grew and grew and grew to where we found them almost teaming up to be vigilantes together after Dexter finally tells him the truth. Of course, as well, sorry, before I go any further... Spoilers, everyone. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've seen the episode. It's the episodes, I should say, or the season. It's very difficult to talk about TV without going into too many spoilers. So let's get that that out of the way. Um, so of course, Dexter does finally tell him who he really is, and 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 he, you can almost imagine those two kind of going off into the sunset. Granted, it wouldn't have been the ending I wanted, but you could definitely see them as some you know kind of vigilantes going off and taking down the bad guys. The problem with that is, is that that for me was the moment that Dexter changed after telling Harrison and almost being accepted by Harrison of who Dexter really is. 
it's almost like he got a bit too cocky. Like he felt that they could both get away with this and they could continue getting away with it and be who he was together. That makes sense, doesn't it? Anyways, but still, it was literally the start of his demise and start of like the downfall. Like, everything was kind of tumbling around him without him even knowing. This is the thing of him not being a forensic analysis or whatever anymore, linking. I mean, I know he was dating Angela Bishop, who was the, the sheriff, obviously, of the town. He kept himself close to that, close to the action, but even that wasn't enough because she's a great cop and Julia Jones was so good in this series. Someone who started off, you know, in love with Dexter almost, or Jim Lindsay, I should say. Well, she was and probably still is in love with Jim, just not Dexter. Someone that had gone through all those emotions with him, been so intimate and so open to him, very close relationship, to then realising this person, A, isn't Jim Lindsay, is another another person entirely who's faked his own death, and then B, someone that is essentially, well, who is a serial killer. He's the Bay Harbour Butcher. I thought that what they did with Andrew's character was great. People are saying online, like, how come, you know, some a small-town cop can find out who Dexter is but the big people at Miami or whatever couldn't and I think that that, that surely that's like the almost like irony of it almost is that De Dexter escaped the big leagues if you will almost like escaped this huge city this this big department to then only be caught by someone that he felt or, or somewhere that he felt was so safe and isolated that yes he could continue living his life but then when things started to go back to who he was again I said from all along, this is a tight-knit community. They, Everyone knows everyone's business. If anywhere, if anyone was going to catch him, it was going to be in this. And the thing is, he couldn't get away with half of the things that he used to be able to. These follow-up situations or the fact that, you know, Angela Bishop was constantly kind of questioning everything or going out to talk to people who had had interactions with Jim, in particular, obviously, the drug dealer that was that was injected, but then Dexter beat him up so that he could look like he wasn't there wasn't anything funny going off that he was just going there to obviously have a bit of fisticuffs with the guy that nearly killed his son. Angela Bishop is a really good cop and I thought she was presented so well on screen and, and Julia Jones really was excellent in this show. Great, great, obviously, another character for this for this mini-series. But Dexter, obviously, by by the end of it, he's gunning for Kurt Caldwell. Kurt Caldwell's also gunning for him. Some great moments between those two as well. Obviously, Kurt Caldwell realising that it was more than just fate that night that him and Dexter bumped into each other and... I really enjoyed Clancy Brown in this as Kurt Corwell. I was saying that Kurt Corwell could potentially be one of the greater villains of Dexter's as a whole, and I think he is up there. I don't think he may be the, the best. Obviously, obviously, Trinity is always going to be the best, but he's in a similar similar kind of league of that. I think that the rituals and the, and the, and the trophies and such that Kurt Corwell obviously is revealed to have is very twisted and very much deserves to be so on Dexter's table. It's a case of who was going to get each other. Was Kurt Corwell going to take Dexter down first? Or was Dexter going to stop Kurt from continuing this 20-odd year reign of killing innocent runaway girls? And the tussle as well between Jack Alcott's Harrison, you know, and, and who his actual father figure is was, was really, really intriguing to see of, you know, he's got two paths he could follow. He could go down and almost like, you know, be a vigilante with Dex, obviously, albeit not know it at the time. But either way, if he went down with Kurt Caldwell, he would have a serial killer, obviously, overlooking and, and being his mentor and father figure. And that's all that Dexter ever wanted was for De for Harrison to have a better life and a better father, which is what he says in that final episode. It's just that the only way that Harrison could truly have that is if Dexter is out of that out of the equation altogether, or, or at least definitely Kurt Caldwell as well. But I'm just saying that the only way that De Harrison was ever going to have a as close to a normal and better life as he could is if Dexter wasn't in it, because Harrison had been living his life for however long, you know, ten years or whatever, without him being there. Anyways, um, it's what Dexter wanted. Essentially, he wanted to end his life in that hurricane. And therefore, by not succeeding, but having Harrison with him as well, the only way that things were ever going to stop was if Dexter was to be killed. 
And this obviously, I mean, I, I know I'm fle- fleeting about and there's going to be some things I'm going to go over again over from episodes seven to ten. But really, you know, the finale is like the, the talking point. The, 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 a lot happened in that finale and it's got people talking online. There was a definite shift, obviously, in this episode. I think that from the moment, obviously, after everything was building up, like, you know, fill you in, I'll go over a little bit more, you know, for, for context. But obviously by the motions and the wheels turning so that Angela was really on to Dexter, to, like knowing that he is the Bay Harbor Butcher, by examining, obviously, the cases, seeing the needle marks and such, and the fact, obviously, that he ran away and faked his own death kind of thing, it <laughs> adds to more suspicion. Adds to the fact, as well, she was given a letter saying that Jim Lindsay killed Matt Caldwell, and she has a titanium bolt as well provided uh, that was in Matt Caldwell's, le- Matt Caldwell's leg, sorry, as to finding one at Jim Lindsay, or Dexter, sorry, his burnt-down cabin. It's not going to take a genius to put two and two together and realise that this guy genuinely is bad news. He is a serial killer. And that's the thing. We as viewers and fans of Dexter have kind of been warped and had this twisted view on him because we see him as the hero. He is the anti-hero. Don't get me wrong. He is, you know, someone that goes out and kills the bad guys. It's just that when it when it changed, and there have been plenty of times before when it nearly changed for Dexter, in particular in season seven when he was going to take out uh, Maria, he was going to kill her in that bunker and then make it look like someone else had done it. It was only until Deb stepped in to to do it herself kind of thing that that's what almost saved him from going down the cold-blooded serial killer route he was always kind of bending he he has at times sorry bent the code rules a little bit like yes of course he sticks by it but he was ultimately bending it at the start of the season you know he's always been a a stone-cold killer we just as fans have always looked at him as someone else and that's why i felt that i mean clyde phillips has said that he had uh, you know his idea for the original ending would be that dexter would answer for his crimes and we got that, obviously, and I felt that there was only a couple of ways this was going to go down. I had my own, like, kind of hopeful ways that he would run off into the sunset or even that maybe Angela Bishop would just be like, you know what, I appreciate what you've done. We've managed to solve the 20-plus-year crime of missing girls. Kurt Caldwell, yes, is a serial killer that needs to be stopped as well because you've done it. We'll keep you as the lethal protector kind of here and you can be our, like, guardian angel kind of thing or, like, guardian devil. I don't know, but, like... Bit far-fetched, no, but imagine if that would have gone down. I don't know, but still, there was only a couple of ways that it was going to happen. He was either going to be arrested, sentenced, maybe even face a death penalty as it was looking, or he was going to die in this episode. And that, you know, and we got the latter, obviously. Like, Dexter Morgan is deceased. It is official. He is done. It was no hurricane or lumberjack's going to save us this time round. And I felt that that last sequence, that last scene between him and Harrison was, again, fantastically performed from... Michael C. Hall and Harrison Morgan. There's some great callbacks in this, in particular, obviously, when Harrison is explaining that, you know, everyone that he loves, obviously, has died because of him. That's innocent people. You could really feel that. And you, like, only have to look at what he's done in the short space of Harrison returning, that the cracks were already, you know, they were starting there. And like Harrison said, he's not a dark passenger. He's the the driver at the end of the day. That's who he is. You're feeding that. One of my favourite lines is that callback to season one as well when Harrison says, open your eyes and look at what you did. It just brought everything full circle. The only way that Harrison was ever going to have a normal life is if Dexter Morgan wasn't in it. And that's when Dexter realises he feels that true love between Harrison. The only moment that they've had real genuine connection is Harrison letting Dexter go himself. Obviously, Dexter tried to has always tried to control his life and everyone else around him, 
But Harrison has to take control of that situation. Harrison has to put him down. There is arguments as well that obviously that could really like torment and ruin Harrison as a character moving forward. How can he get past the fact that he was the one that put his dad down kind of thing? And I, and I do understand and I can see that as well. Maybe that's something that Clyde Phillips wants to leave ambiguously or even maybe return in a future spin-off where we focus on Harrison and even get Dexter's maybe his dark passenger. But no, I felt that as, as, as an ending, I felt that that was the only way it could go down. I have thoughts about what else could have been done. I liked the fact that we got Batista involved. He finally found out that Dexter Morgan was in fact alive. It would have been nice to maybe see them have a, a altercation, a, you know, a conversation at least where Batista just gets to lay everything on the table and just say, you know, Maria died because of you. Obviously, Dokes even died because of you. You covering your tracks. You were just great at what you, you know, what you'd done, what you did. You know, you were... A just all-out serial killer. It would have been nice, maybe, kind of get that for for that for the for the Miami side of things. Closure on that because we never really got that in the first seasons. But to be honest with you, that this, I, I just I I thought it was enough, anyways. Like I, I, it would have been nice, but I don't. I'm not sat here being like, well, I can't believe it. This is ridiculous. What lazy writing? I think it was fine. I don't think it needed. To, maybe we didn't need the whole manhunt or anything after Dexter. We didn't need a whole, you know, the the trial of Dexter Morgan or whatever. I don't know if you wanted to see that. I'm not sure because that's the thing. They could have ended this with Dexter being arrested and then the next season, everything kind of catch up on him. A bit like season two was with the Bay Harbor Butcher where everyone was really on the Bay Harbor Butcher and it was really intense. It could have been a bit more of that for maybe a new blood season two. But I don't know. Like, I think that if they wanted to keep it just these 10 episodes, this is the way to go. Like, don't leave it where Dexter's escaped or anything. Just have him have him killed, like I say. And, and I, I, I understand that decision. Whether people agree with it and people agree with me, I, I get it, you know, at the end of the day, like he is a cult. I mean, there was this, they were kind of leading to it anyways. Like I said, he was bending the rules to start with. This dark passenger, this killer within him has always been there. It's just never risen fully to the surface. It was only when it like snapped, it was just a, a complete snap when Matt Caldwell killed that deer that it just rose, came over the surface and next thing you know, Matt Caldwell's on his table and he's making his first killing however many years. That then, I think he almost felt like he could still get away with it. But like I said at the start of my previous podcasts, this is a very small community. People are going to find out. Obviously, Kurt Carwell found out. You know, he knew that Matt was essentially going to be dead, and it was a case of obviously pinning on who it was. He realised straight away who that, that that Jim Lindsay was linked to it. And I really liked this whole cat and mouse dynamic between Dexter and Kurt. Obviously, Kurt knowing that Dexter is responsible for the death of his son. Therefore, you know, son for a son, I'm going to take something from you that you took from me. Once Kurt's been arrested as well, there's a great, you know, real conversation between the two of them. We already have kind of moments or a moment just before that when Dexter turns up. I think it's like episode eight, I think it is, seven or eight, when he turns up to the diner to see Harrison working, but really kind of peeing on his territory, like making his mark almost. It's like, you know, a real kind of dog-eat-dog situation. He knows that Kurt's a serial killer, as too Kurt knows. It was more than just a freak coincidence that those two bumped into each other that night. As I said earlier, it was more than fate, to quote what he said. But once Kurt has been arrested and he's in that jail cell and he's obviously answering for these alleged crimes, um, obviously pinpointing it on his father, which explores a little bit more into the, the character of Kurt and why he is and why he's got those rituals, which all comes to be explained more so. But I just really enjoyed the, the, the dynamic between the two of them when it's a real, like, insightful conversation or like I said the, the, the first proper conversation between Kurt and Dexter is between is between is in that jail cell is where they have a bit of a back and forth it's at that moment in the jail cell where we 
get like a bit of a switch from Kurt where he then, to, to quote what he said, sorry, that we can't erase all our past sins. Not even fire can do that. I'm probably paraphrasing that, but still, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, putting his, putting, making his move on the chessboard. It is literally like two players on, two players playing chess in this moment of serial killer versus serial killer. It just was really, really intense. You know, that whole sequence, some great script writing. One of my favorite moments in the series was just those two talking in that, uh, yeah, in that jail cell. The use of lighting as well. Really intense moment, and it just set us up on this, as I say, trajectory for a real showdown between the two of them. Because you know that once Kurt gets out of this situation, he was going to go after, obviously, Harrison, or at least try to take down Dexter. It was a case of who was going to get to each other first. And I think they did it all perfectly well with Kurt's character, you know, by closing his closing his story and bringing that runaway, uh, the runaway killer's story to an end in episode nine. So they could really focus on closing Dexter's story in episode 10. And episode 10 obviously does solely focus on the fact that Angela is getting enough evidence to prove that A, Dexter killed Matt Caldwell and B, that he is in fact the Bay Arbor Butcher and that he's been on the run ever since pretty much. And it's just why I felt like it was just a bit of a, a more conclusive ending to, to what we originally got. And I think that Dexter got too cocky, basically. I think, you know, he thought that by telling Harrison and being accepted by Harrison, as I said, it definitely was the start of a downfall there. Because next thing you know, he's like, we need to move away. We need to go to Los Angeles. We need to find new victims together. And then Harrison's, you can just tell us a bit like, well... Do we really need to? Like, you can tell Harrison's got dark tendencies, but nowhere near as dark as what Dexter is. Like, he is genuinely... Like, at that point, he's just full-on serial killer. And, and once he kills Logan in episode 10, there is no going back. That's the first time, like, I know that I spoke to a few friends as well. It's the first time as an audience member I've sat and seen something that Dexter's done and thought... Nah, man. That you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go for this. That like, you've got to be sentenced, or at least you've got to have some kind of consequence for for that action. And that's what essentially tips, obviously, Harrison over the edge, realizing that you can't keep going around doing this. Basically, um, yeah, the killing of Logan, obviously, was people say it was so uncharacteristic unchar- of Dexter, but he was just about to grab a knife when Angela was arresting him. So again, it's like he he was thinking about it. Then it's almost literally like. He'd just become a loose cannon. Like, this is the thing. There was the great contrast as well of him escaping from the prison cell when he was running in the snow, covered in, obviously, Logan's blood. And then it's a great, like I say, contrast to the the first episode where we find him running for fun. This is now running for your life once again, running away. That's what Dex seems to do. And I tell you what, I would have been a little bit peeved if he had just done, like, a, a runaway again. If it had just buggered off and, and it had been, I say, a bit more... Yes, people would have been coming after him, but I just can't be bothered with another, oh, I've escaped and I'm wearing a lumberjack jacket again. I think that this was... And Clyde Phillips, you could tell, really, what to give this ending. Like, I think that they would have definitely offered him to do another season. Like, there's no shadow of a doubt that they would have said you can do another series if you want. But I think that he wanted, he definitely genuinely did this ending because there's no need for another season. It would have just kind of been a very similar thing again of people hunting Dexter down. And and although it wasn't essentially them hunting Dexter down in season two, it'd be too similar, I think, to the whole trying to find the Bay Harbor Butcher of what they got in season two. So I can see why they did kill him off. People aren't going to be happy about it because of that. And and I've seen many people saying online as well that the only reason why people are probably kicking off so much about this ending is because the whole season was great and then it's ended on such a, a bleak moment that it's a bit like, oh, well, I don't want to re- re-watch this anymore. But whereas for me, I, I can't wait to re-watch this. I'm sure there's things I've not picked up and things I've missed up on it. 
But I just feel this was a, a natural conclusion for Dexter as a character. You know, he couldn't keep running. He had to face the consequences of what he's done, whether that was in prison or whether that was actually, as it happened, someone putting him down. Yes, I can see why people don't like the Harrison approach to it, but as a story, as a conclusion, it explained why that was, you know, with the letter at the end and the sequence and the montage at the end. But it just felt like this had to happen, obviously. The only way that Dexter was ever going to stop is if he was put down. So yeah, that that that's my thoughts on the ending. As much as it pains me, and I hate the fact that he is dead, you know, and I'd love this character. It it just it's fitting. It's such a strange thing to say. That's it's it's, it's sad, but at the same time, it's right that this guy's dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, obviously the finale is really taking up quite a chunk of this particular episode. Obviously going over from episode seven to ten, I kind of knew that that would be the case of just kind of going over the build up to where we got to and where we found Dexter by the finale. Um, and of course, it is the talking point of the internet. So I really really had you know a lot of thoughts on it as too many on the internet have um but i you know as as, as i say I, I loved this season it was so so good like I, I i can understand why some people will find this ending a little bit disheartening a little bit disappointing i've even seen people say they preferred the the previous ending which i'm a little bit like really like this this story was was everything like it had dexter trying to tackle another serial killer dexter trying to tackle his old life and, and tried to create a new one, but also include Harrison in that, which was never really going to happen. Him killing Mac Harwell was the start of a great spiral, but also the worst thing for me that I, that for Dexter that could have happened was Harrison accepting who he was and the fact that he saw him as this kind of like Batman vigilante. I think it gave Dexter a bit too much of an ego. Yes, he wanted to protect his son. He wanted to do as much as he could for his son. But I just think that, that he just got he got too carried away, way too carried away, and sadly he had to be had to be put down. Really, either way, he would have he would have died from this. He'd have been, you know, arrested and then given the death penalty, or like I say, it would it would have played out the way that it did. Um, but I can see why it's the biggest talking point at the moment. Why people are still a little bit uh, not happy about it. But if, uh, that's it, isn't it? Clive Phillips wanted you know to end the story as best as he could, and I think that definitely. If he didn't want to do it that way, if he wanted to do another season, there would have been a completely different ending. There was a lot to enjoy in this series. Like I, I genuinely enjoyed all the performances pretty much. It was a very inclusive season. I thought everyone involved was so, so, so well performed on screen, so well acted. Enjoyed the you know aesthetics of Iron Lake and just how that really was its own character. Like I say, it's a very tight-knit community. And ultimately, that's, that's what caught Dexter out, really. He can't run and keep doing what he was doing. Um, few other things that I enjoyed in this season. I loved the flashbacks uh, in episodes nine. I think it was we got to see him do a kill, uh, a kill that we never seen on screen before with the clown. Liked the use of the widescreen aspect for the present, and then back to full screen for the old Miami look. I thought it was just again like a nice little callback, and made really made me think like, oh yeah, this is how Dexter used to be. And then obviously telling Harrison obviously about everything, in particular that kill as an example, obviously on the back of what had just happened with Kurt. You know, Kurt trying to kill Harrison again. That whole sequence, like I said before, this whole relationship between Harrison and Kirk could have gone to such a very, very darker extreme. That embrace at the end of the episode when Dexter's like, you don't have to worry about these dark thoughts or anything that you're, you're going through. I remember he said thoughts rather than passenger because he was trying to obviously think of any other words to not fully kind of give away too much at that moment. That embrace, and again, it was almost like that's all he ever wanted. It was like to be open and honest with with Harrison it is a shame obviously that essentially like like I've said numerous times he just got carried away with that but I did enjoy him opening up to Harrison and really really just telling him the truth in particular about the fact that he sorted out Trinity went and killed Arthur Mitchell so you don't have to worry about that anymore um you know you can genuinely see that Harrison is all for this kind of vigilante approach and this like reasoning why Dexter does what he does it's just that 
by the time it comes to their end, you can tell that Harrison, it's like, do we really need to be doing this? Only innocent end up dying from him. I I think the last line of it, obviously, was was just kind of to sum it all up, is, you know, let, my, let me die so my son can live in his letter to Hannah. Again, it, it, it's just what we've been talking about and why they went down this road with killing Dexter in order for Harrison to really live as best a normal life. Dexter had to go. Um, I'm probably going to leave it there because I, I feel like if I go over anything too much, I'll end up like pretty much repeating myself. But overall, like I, I genuinely did really enjoy this season. I think it was great. The ending was was what it should have been all along. You know, some form of consequence for Dexter. I don't think living off in you know isolation like we got at the end of season eight originally was the ending that this character deserved after everything and everything that he's done. It, it, it was only a matter of time before something would catch up on him. And I think that, like I've said, everyone involved in this Clyde Phillips and even Michael C. Hall, obviously, and how he's obviously helped mold and create this character and, and, and act and perform as this character was just been, it's been a real treat and a real highlight. And like I said, now that Dexter is done and, and Dexter is, no longer with us it's going to be interesting to see if we just leave it there definitely god leave it there like i I'd, i said mentioned before about it, they could do a spin-off with harrison but i don't want that like i really don't want that let's just leave it as it is um you know harrison can have the life that he wants now and and not have to worry about dexter really so yeah thank you ever so much for listening part three of dexter new blood on joe blogs about films it's really really appreciated that you guys have listened if you checked out episodes or part one and part two, I should say, before listening again. Thank you so much. Hopefully I've kind of summed it up for you, but if there's anything that you want to discuss further, then jump onto the socials and search Joe Blogs about films. Dexter Newblood, out of 10, I'm going to go and give it an eight. Overall, I just think this was a solid season. I think that, like I say, everyone in this was excellent. The script writing, uh, storytelling was really captivating, really intense at times. Granted, obviously, people are still upset about this ending, but they're not going to please everyone. They're not going to please everyone, and, and that, that's it, I think. And... We have to remember that, like I said, we've had this twisted view on Dexter from the get-go. You know, he's, he's he always has been a serial killer. It surely would come as no surprise that eventually something would come to, uh, yeah, come to catch up on him. So, anyways, there we go. Solid 8 out of 10. Great season. Not perfect, don't get me wrong, but a fantastic one nonetheless. Thank you ever so much, as always, for clicking on this podcast and supporting us as usual. It really is appreciated. Until next time, though, take care. <laughs>